Hello and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host for this episode and I am joined by Mark LaRocco. Mark, how's it going? I'm doing awesome. What's new? Uh, not too much. Just getting ready for the kids to finish school here in the next, uh, at least be out for the summer, the next three weeks or so. Going to a lot of games. That's right. Baseball and t-ball games and um, yeah. Just, I'm excited to go golfing again. I'm just really happy for this weather. It's a good time of year. Mm-hmm. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad that we're finally in the good time of year because it seemed like it took a little while to get going, but we're officially in it now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would not be surprised at all if it still snowed, but it's not going to stick around. So I think, we're, I think we're basically in the clear in terms of uh, winter being over at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, in fact, I just I just started my summer classes a couple days ago, um, you know, because the college schedule is a little bit different than the K through 12 schedule. But yeah, looking forward to some good stuff. Um, in fact, uh, we're coming up on a, a holiday, Mother's Day, which is going to pretty much present the theme for most of this episode. Uh, but before we get there, um, I thought I might take a moment to talk about the big movie, which if I heard right, unseated Mario Brothers for the number one spot at the box office. The, uh, the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Volume 3, which you haven't had a chance to see yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're going to push pause on our deeper discussion because this is, this is a movie I really want to get your yeah. thoughts on. Mm-hmm. This, was, this was one, as you might recall, I was really, really dreading. I think this was one of the ones that I put on my list of most dreaded movies of 2023. And I am happy to report that it did not live down to those dire expectations. (laughs) Um, It definitely wasn't my favorite in the series, and it's very different from the other movies in the series. I have some some personal connections with the first movie, um, some really fond memories of seeing Mm -hmm. it, and... Uh, I mean, it was, it, it, it came out just before my dad passed away. And so it was the last movie that I saw with my dad. My family went and saw it after he passed away as we were kind of preparing for his funeral. And so I just, my, my objectivity when it comes to the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie and by extension, the series is always going to be a little bit shaky, but, um, I still, in spite of that, I feel like I was able to kind of see this third one with a little bit more uh, unencumbered eyes and which is, which is just kind of a roundabout way of saying that it has some very obvious flaws, but I still came away from it feeling like, Oh, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. I thought that Mm -hmm. I thought they did a good job and, and it could, it could be just a low expectations thing where I've kind of become so turned off by so much of what Marvel has done over the last couple of years that just anything that feels like a pre end game movie is enough to feel like a success. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, And so that, that might be part of it, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it more once you've had the chance to see it. Um, Cause like I say, it's, it's a very, it's different. It's just different from the other two. Um, But it evokes enough from the earlier movies that it also feels like a return to familiar welcome territory. Yeah. Is that, is that vague enough? No, is I, that, 
ambiguous no, enough I, to... No, I've heard enough about it. I, I think I have an idea of, of what it's about. And I, like like you, I wasn't too excited to see each time a new Marvel movie comes out, I kind of just less and less into it. Um, and yeah. I, but I did love the first one. I mean, I thought it was hilariously mm-hmm. funny, so unexpected and so different and just cheeky. And it, it, it just took Marvel in a new direction. And it was James Gunn, I think was the director that really had it had a hand right. in that and um i just remember i mean kind of laughing the whole movie and the second one wasn't as good but still a still a fun romp and so yeah i'm excited to see the third one i'll be seeing it within the next week yeah so so if you want to get my full review right now i did write up a review and uh, posted it on our companion website utah.film uh, so you can head over there and uh take a you know, get get the get the scoop, um, but we will be covering it in depth on the podcast in the very near future. In the meantime, let's talk about moms. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> I've I've kind of been thinking about this theme and this this idea for for the episode for a little while um, because every once in a while I will come across, and it's not just moms either. It's actually kind of a thing where I've noticed certain parent roles that have just really stood out to me mm-hmm. as, as kind of cool, you know, uh, cool elements of, of movies. Not, not, you know, not necessarily that it's like the main theme. A lot of times it's kind of more of an under the radar thing, but long story short, I felt like it would be appropriate and fun to spend an episode talking about our favorite movie moms. And, and I choose my words carefully because in doing some research for this, I realized that there are a lot of notable movies with notable mom characters that I have not seen. And so I can't really say that I'm going to be nominating the best movie moms of all mm-hmm. time because I don't feel like I've seen enough to say that definitively. Right. This one is absolutely going to be a, these are my favorite movie moms okay. episode. Well, so I and as I was preparing the list too, I almost, I debated whether... Because you could also make a list perhaps of most interesting or most dynamic or, you know, funniest movie moms that would be different from what you maybe consider the best movie moms or your favorite movie moms. Like, because maybe it's somebody that's just not a good mom, you know, but a great character. So, yeah, I, I, I lean more to the side of good movie moms or movie moms I have a, you know, like a soft spot for. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and maybe maybe to echo that. And I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say who this is just in case this is one that you picked, but one of the first ones to occur to me was actually more of an infamous movie mom than anything. Uh, plus, it was a movie that I haven't seen; I've just seen clips from. And so, there's kind of the question of, okay, well, you know, do we want to go with good movie moms, or do we want to go with just really unique movie moms, or what? But uh, We'll uh, we'll find out through our little discussion here. Is so it, so I think is the it throw throw mama from the train. Uh, it's not <laughs> I'm that. Just one. kidding. I, that wasn't one of mine. Um, it just came to mind when you mentioned. Okay. That. <laughs> no, no, it's a little more. It's a little more infamous than that. Like I, I'm trying to remember if this is actually like an award winning performance, but it's it's one of the most. I don't what, know. What can you say? Or are you you're gonna wait? You're gonna leave us all in. Well, suspense. no. Well. It's not. It's not a suspense thing. It's a just in case you have chosen it. I didn't want to mention oh, okay. it 
because I didn't want to, you know, because if you don't bring it up, I'll, okay. I'll mention Sounds it at the end because it is worth, it is worth talking about, but I want to, Mark, I want to give you your time and the spotlight. <laughs> I kind of wonder if I think I know what you're going to say, because I have one that I consider to be like a funny, honorable mention, but we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure we'll have lots of that stuff. Okay. So I think we, we decided that we're going to basically share three each is kind of our main three. And then of course there will be the honorable mentions and all that stuff. So, uh, you want to go first? I mean, I, I, I had the first pick of the okay. last draft. Yeah. This, this isn't a draft, but, but let's have, let's give you, yeah, I'll go first. The first, huh. the first mention. Um, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and pick, um, Marion, the mother played by Laurie Metcalf in Lady Bird, um, which I thought was one of the oh. best movies of 2017. Um, and it's just a nice kind of coming-of-age story about a girl who feels kind of unhappy and trapped in Sacramento. And she, you know, she, she makes fun of Sacramento quite a bit in the movie and wants to go to a college out east. Um, and it's sort of a semi-autobiographical film directed and written by Greta Gerwig. It's her first Greta movie. Greta Gerwig, right. Yeah, and so it's sort of this Saoirse Ronan character um, is, is the sort of the Greta Gerwig stand-in. And which, I mean, we could almost do a list on like directors directing mov- semi-autobiographical movies about themselves because there's just been a ton in the last few years. Like we talked, you know, we saw The Fablemans last year. Um, but yeah. anyway, she plays Christine and her, I just love the relationship between her mother. And it's not a love-hate relationship. I mean, it's a love-love relationship. It's a good mother-daughter relationship, but there are certain choices that, the, the daughter makes or wants to make, for example, as I've stated, wanting to move out east that her mother just doesn't like. And very early in the movie, her, she's she's telling, uh, Laurie Metcalf is telling her daughter, played by Saoirse Ronan, how ungrateful she is. And she, it, you know, and this is just a moment of like teenage brainlessness, but Saoirse Ronan just jumps from a car, jumps from a moving car. Right, I mean, you've seen right. this movie, right? <laughs> Yeah. 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 And so she breaks her arm. So a good part of the movie, she's got her, you know, a cast on her arm and, um, her, her dad's just a really nice, you know, kind of likable guy, but you kind of find out he's had struggles throughout much of his life that come to light, you know, depression and other things, but he's more on her, more on the daughter's side and, but a little afraid to stand up to the mom. And, um, he ends up helping her with her applications to go out East and, and then, you know, you get this kind of awkward moment where the, when the mother kind of finds out that this has happened, she doesn't speak to her daughter. But it's hard because she still loves her. And that's almost the reason why she doesn't speak to her. It's like she wants to let her know, like, I think you're making such a poor decision. I, I don't know how to, you know, how to handle it, but I'm, I'm not speaking to you. Therefore, I'm not going to say anything rude to you. Um, but then I think uh, one of the best scenes is, is when the mother, uh, Lori's dropping her off or Laurie, I guess it's Marion in the movie is dropping Christine off at the airport and she doesn't go drop her off at the gate. It's just like, let her out of the car. And then uh, the camera just stays with her, you know, stays with uh, Laurie Metcalf as she drives away and she just breaks down crying. Like she hasn't let release that emotion in front of her daughter. Almost like she doesn't really want to show her daughter how much she is going to miss her and cares about her. And and then maybe she's yeah. crying for herself a little bit too. Like, have I lost my daughter? And are, are we ending on a bad note? Because now she's moved away to college. 
And, and there's always this, you know, you get these moments in movies where parents take their kids off to school and it can be quite emotional, I imagine, for parents. I haven't had to do it yet, but like, oh, I guess my kid's grown up now. You know, like, that's it. They've moved out. They're done. Like, we had our good times. We had our bad times, but I'm no longer, like, responsible for them on a daily basis. And you just feel the weight of that in her, uh, in her performance. Um, and so that was one that is, and it's not a movie I've seen. I've seen it once. And, uh, you know, and it's not one I have even revisited since probably around 2018-ish, 2019 when I saw you, it. You remember it better than I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, there are some scenes in there that really stuck with me. And a few scenes with the dad, too. I really like the dad in that um, that are, are great. But, of course, it's just, you know, she goes through. I mean, there's a lot to it. and, and uh, But, yeah, just focusing on the mom, I, I just I liked her character quite a bit. Um, yeah. And I hadn't seen her in anything. I don't think I even knew her until I saw that movie. Um, Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf. Yeah, what else has she been in? Well, so she plays the sister in Roseanne, the TV show. Oh, that's right. If yeah, I, if you're I, right. If I'm thinking of the right one, yep, yeah. That's her. Well, which which is kind of a roundabout way of allowing me to make another observation, which is that as I was trying to think of good candidates for this list, I realized that there are a lot more obvious mom characters in television than there are in the movies. Mm -hmm. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with us, you know, kind of growing up in the eighties where there were just so many sitcoms about nuclear families and stuff. And so there was, it just, it just seems to me like, as I think about my favorite movies and I think about a lot of my favorite TV shows, it, I just found it a lot easier to brainstorm television moms than mm -hmm. movie moms. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and Roseanne Barr, you know, <laughs> just, just a perfect example. Right. Um, so it is, it is kind of interesting that, that Lori became Lori Metcalf became a, a memorable mom as well. Me uh, because I think, I don't think she had a, kids or a family in the in the tv show i think her character was just yeah she was like the aunt the, um i yeah. think i mean part of what you can blame that on maybe is the disney the disney effect because famously there are very few moms in disney movies right the disney princesses mm. in wreck it ralph 2 they all have absent mothers uh, or or you know right, right. Uh, mothers who've died or who've left or whatever and so yeah it's it it wasn't as easy as i thought it wasn't like a ton of Movie moms just instantly flooded my mind right. you know, when I was coming up with this list. Yeah, so uh, so so something to keep in mind as we as we talk, just to add a little flavor. Um, okay, so my first my first pick, um, I am going to choose this one, or I'm going to share this one first for a couple of reasons. First of all, you've already mentioned it, and so it's since it's already up okay. on the table, I'm going to go ahead and lead with it. But I also think that maybe it would be best to kind of start with the comic side mm -hmm. of my favorite movie moms and end with something a little bit more sincere. Okay. Uh, because believe it or not, I want to nominate Anne Ramsey who plays Mrs. Lift in Throw Mama from the Train. Are you serious? Um, <laughs> I am absolutely serious. 100%. Oh my gosh, if so you funny. have not seen this movie, her character 
her performance is one of the funniest things. In fact, I, I want to say that there might have been a nomination involved. I can't say for sure, but holy cow. Um, this, this one is almost kind of a twofer as well, because if you don't recognize her, or if you haven't seen Throw Mama from the Train, Anne Ramsey is also the same actress who played uh, the Fratelli's mom in Goonies. In yeah. Goonies. And so where, where she was also kind of a, kind of an infamous mom character. So, so she, uh, I don't know if you'd say she was typecast, but cause she's, she's a little bit more kind of dangerous and she's kind of the, the, kind of got a, you know, the bad, the bad right. guy. In she's Goonies. like a criminal matriarch and she's got this craggy right. face and just yeah. voice. Yeah. I, what, what an interesting character actor. I can't even think of other movies I've seen her in other than those two. Those are, those are the only two yeah. and, and throw mama from the train is so, so since I'm guessing a lot of people have not seen this and I really do recommend this because it's a, it's a funny, funny underrated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the main story revolves around, uh, Billy Crystal is a struggling writer and Danny DeVito is a student in his class and they both have complicated relationships with the women in their lives. Danny DeVito's mom is the, the Anne Ramsey character and he's living at home and, and she's just kind of like this really, really super intense tyrant who just, I don't know. It's, I almost don't want to try to describe it because I, I wouldn't do it justice, but it is so funny and, and so energetic and crazy. Um, and, and so, so he's struggling with her. Uh, Billy Crystal has this really kind of uh, uh, toxic relationship with his ex-wife who has gone on to become a great successful author herself. And so of course he's jealous. And, and so uh, Danny DeVito's character, he, he goes to this, see this Hitchcock movie where people in a similar circumstance decide to murder each other's, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, it's, they basically, they, they decide to swap murders, mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, I'll take care of your problem if you take care of mine. And that way we'll get away with it because nobody will have any connection to, you know, there's no connection between the victim and the murderer. And so, so Danny DeVito takes this Hitchcock idea and pitches it to Billy mm-hmm. Crystal and, and hijinks ensue. And, and it's, I mean, it's, so it's kind of a dark comedy, yeah. but it's really funny. And, and it, it really is kind of sweet too. Like it's, it's more, it, it's more sweet and adorable than you would think by, by the, by the premise. But, uh, but Anne Ramsey, holy cow, that is such a funny, funny character. Um, so yeah, so I, she, she has to be, not, has to be on. Our I list. just checked and she was nominated for a golden globe in that movie. Okay. And then okay. And she died a year later. So she, that was one of her last movies. Um, yeah. Uh, and Laurie Metcalf was nominated for an Oscar in, in Lady Bird. Um, have you seen Strangers on a Train, the Hitchcock movie? I have not. Oh, it's great. I have not. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a more serious. I mean, it's it's not a comedy, but it is. It has a similar right. plot device where they both want to like you know perform each other's murders, and then turns out one guy's a little more serious about it than the other guy. So it's it's really good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a good. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm like I said, I have I haven't seen Strangers on a Train, mm-hmm. but. It's. I can only imagine that it's that it's good being a Hitchcock movie, and I. But I know for sure that Throw Mom from the Train is funny and worthwhile. Hey. So, 
So what you All got? All right, my next one is, uh, this is one that actually was I, suggested by my wife, who, who loves this, this role, and um, I think this is probably her favorite movie, Mom, but it's, it's Mrs. Parker in A Christmas Story. Um, ah. This is played by Melinda Dillon. And I was, I was thinking, you know, there's so much of that movie, even though it's little Ralphie's story and it's told from his point of view, quite a bit of it comes from his mom. It's, it's like, I mean, you think of the, the, the main line, the most important line in the movie that's repeated many times is from his mom. Um, you know, you'll shoot your eye out. And, yeah, oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then she does so many, there's so many little touches, little maternal touches that she does that are like the way she gets Randy to eat, you know, like just making right, him laugh. Right. And, and, and even though it just disgusts her, you know, her other son and her husband, you know, the old man. And also I, there's this like push pull relationship she has between uh, the old man. And this is obviously witnessed by Randy and Ralphie the whole time. They're saying, well, this, this must be how a marriage works, you know, um, and where like she, uh, well, the showdown over the lamp, I mean, just unforgettable. And yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when he he begins to accuse her of like using up all the glue on purpose and and yelling at her and she's so shocked. It's just such an absurd accusation that y she doesn't really defend herself at first, she kind of uses logic and speaks quieter. But then by the end of the argument, you remember what she yells and she's like, that's the ugliest lamp, uh, the most. I can't remember what she says, but it's the worst, ugliest lamp she's ever seen in her entire life, you know, and. And it's even punctuated by the music, you know, on the soundtrack. And yeah, yeah. Um, so she stands up for herself. And this is in a time, I, I can't remember if it's the 40s or the 50s, but the movie takes place sort of in that post-war era where, you know, the men were the domineering, uh, you know, uh, patriarchs of the house. And, and the women, you know, probably had to do whatever the men said. But in this, in this movie, um, she has quite a bit of control over him without him realizing it. And again, this is all, this is what Ralph and, and, you know, Randy see. Um, and then the way she protects Ralph from, from his dad. Now, of course, in the mind of a child who is, thinks he's just, it's certain doom, you know, after he gets in his fight, he's just going to be executed yeah. by his dad. Oh, his mom right, saves right. him just by casually, oh, right. Ralph, he got in a fight and then, you know, brings her, him the other pair of glasses and, and, and he uh, seems to, you know, he kind of perks up and asks him a question and then he like. She she diverts his attention with something else in the newspaper, and then just it's over. And then Ralphie is like, "Oh, I'm I'm not going to die. You know, I haven't been consigned to certain doom." And so, all these little uh, things, all these little scenes in the movie that are just so good are really her. And she's she's in the movie throughout. I mean, I don't I don't know what like mm -hmm. sort of the line count is, but she's like probably in the top two. <laughs> you know, um, after Ralphie, maybe the old man. I don't know, but. I, I think it really is a good character. And it's funny. It just like it, it just warms my wife, Polly's heart whenever we watch that movie and just all the little things that she does for her boys. Um, just a good movie, mom, you know, and it ultimately it strikes it strikes me. It strikes me as a character that is very relatable. Mm -hmm. You know, she really kind of like you're describing. She really comes across as a character that has has walked kind of the same path that are like a lot of moms, mm -hmm. just like you're describing with yeah. just kind of the way she's, she's managing the family, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe a little bit behind the scenes, you know, it's not always, it's not always obvious. It's a, there's more subtle things here and there, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, she's awesome. I'm, I'm glad, I'm really glad that you picked her because, because I had 
I had Melinda Dillon on my list. I wasn't sure that if she was going to be in my top three, though. So this way, I'm glad that she's going to be accounted mm-hmm. for. Um, but once again, we have a twofer. Okay. So do you do you know do you know what other movie she was a prominent mom in? I think it was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She's she's the mom of the little boy, mm. and I'm forgetting the little boy's name at the moment. But this little towhead yeah. kid who gets abducted by the aliens at the beginning and uh, take taken away, uh, and uh, in some some pretty. Pretty intense scenes, it, pretty early oh, on. Oh, it was so intense, we had to turn it off at our house. It, we, we tried watching oh, that wow. movie. We had a bunch of little boys. This would have been at least eight or nine, ten years ago. and oh, <laughs> Well, probably seven or eight years ago. And it was it, just that whole scene where the house is shaking and there are the lights from outside yeah, and then the yeah. bomb screaming and the boy. like, And that's near the beginning, if I remember right. So we, yeah. our kids have not finished that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's at some point, at some point they gotta yeah. finish the job because it, it is it is a good mm-hmm. one, but uh, maybe maybe a little intense for for the youngsters. But um, yeah, so so Melinda Dillon, that's a, that's two pretty distinctive movie movie mom roles. So yeah, so good for her. Um, okay, so my next one, I'm gonna go with Leah Thompson who played Lorraine <laughs> McFly in the Back to the Future movies. Um, so I can't imagine that anybody listening to this podcast is not familiar with the premise of the Back to the Future movies, but we- uh, but Lorraine is Marty's mom, and she has... So, so Leah Thompson has the... I'm going to call it the dual role, because she does do additional stuff later on in the other movies, but in the first movie... She has two roles, basically, where she's playing Marty's mom at the beginning of the movie. And so she's more kind of like middle age, mm-hmm. probably, you know, 45, 50, somewhere in there. And then uh, once Marty goes back in time, she has to play like a 17 year old, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, some give or take, uh, plus or minus. I'm not sure exactly how old she is. But so she kind of has these two perspectives. And of course, in one, she's Marty's mom, and in the, the other one, she has a crush on her own son, which is kind of one of those things that it's, it's really, really crazy on paper, but when you see it play out in the movie, it's it's handled so well yeah. that you, you're you not, at least I I never really gave it a second thought. Like, I just, the the tone of the movie and the way it's put together and, and, and presented, it's, it's still very kind of innocent and crazy and fun. And, right. And yeah, so, so Leah Thompson, you know, maybe, maybe just for the challenge of, you know, having such a unique perspective on a couple of different characters. Um, and of course in the second movie, she has to play an older, older version of herself because they go out into the future. And so she's now more of kind of a grandmother, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then in the third movie, she plays one of her own ancestors uh, right, yeah. because Seamus McFly's had... wife, yeah, right, right. I, in in the um, second movie, she plays the alternate reality version of like yeah. Dick's wife, right? Um, but then doesn't don't when they go in the future, isn't that Elizabeth Shue? No, it's that's who, she plays the girlfriend, right? But so so in the second movie, they swapped out 
Elizabeth Shue for the original actress oh, who played Jennifer, Cla Marty's Claudia. girlfriend. Yeah, I remember her. Okay. Yeah, but but Leah, Leah Thompson still plays. That's right. Her, you know, Lorraine McFly, but now she's a grandmother mm -hmm. because, um, you know, she's she's making the pizza for for Marty's kids. Yeah. And and so she's kind of grandmother version there, but uh, the one who doesn't show up is. Uh, Crispin Glover, mm -hmm. because there was kind of like a contract dispute type thing. And so the actor who plays his role in the second movie, you'll notice is really kind of kept to the side and you don't really get any mm. clear action with him because he's basically just a stand in. Yeah. Um, but, but Leah Thompson plays, in fact, I think she probably handles three different versions in the second movie because when they're in the future, she's playing kind of as a grandmother mm -hmm. And then there's the alternate 1985 version, the one, like you said, that, that married Biff and is living in the, yeah. the, the Vegas style hotel casino. Um, but then, but then she has some scenes. It's, I think it's pretty downplayed. Like I don't see, think you see her very much, but I think she does show up. She does. As the, uh, the, the teenage, the 1955 teenage version. The 50s. Yeah. So she does, she yeah. plays three, three roles, I guess in a way. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know that there's anything that is, especially heartwarming or or landmark about the character aside from the fact that she's playing the same character in so many different kind of versions and perspectives mm -hmm. that that are you know really critical to the plot in kind of a zany zany fun way so hmm. yeah so here's to you leah thompson I, who actually hey you know what i'm gonna put a little utah film pod in this utah film pod um i want to say that the back to the future cast is going to be at Fanex in the fall. Oh, you heard about this no. in September? I want to say. I think that I think that um, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, and Tom Wilson. Okay. If I think the four of them are supposed to be there. Oh wow! So, cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I like that pick. Say hi to your mom. <laughs> I like the pick because I, uh, I, you know. <laughs> You know that that's one of my favorite movies, and uh, yeah, it's like a top ten for me. All right, um, yeah. I'm going to go a little more, I guess, obscure again. I don't know. It's not uh, again. I'm trying to like talk about movies we we haven't mentioned a ton, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm going to go with somebody named Elaine, not Lorraine, played by Frances McDormand okay. in Almost Famous. Um, oh wow! Yeah, great choice. Yeah, she uh, because. Oh, Again, man. this is a, a story that's not really her story, you know, it's, it's it's the kid's William Miller story, but it's sort of kind of started by her in some ways. Um, and so if you remember, she's this widowed college professor, and she's a little bit of a, a sheltering mother um, to her two kids. There's an <laughs> older daughter played by Zoe Deschanel, and then you have, I think, Patrick Fugit, who plays William Miller. Uh -huh. And the older daughter escapes when she turns 18 and becomes a flight attendant so she can see the world. But before she goes, she introduces her younger brother to, to some records, some rock records. Um, yeah. And he listens to him. And this is not something that would have been approved by the mother. Um, and then he's inspired to become a, a, like a rock journalist, you know, um, and uh, it's kind of goes off an adventure where he, he, plays himself up to be like a little older and kind of talks himself into situations where he can go on the road with a band called Stillwater and 
um, and then write an article for Rolling Stone as like a teenage rock star. And again, I guess it's a semi-autobiographical film because Cameron Crowe apparently did this and he yeah, wrote an article right, about Led Zeppelin right. and a few other bands. Um, and Stillwater is not a real band, but they're kind of an amalgamation of, of uh, you know, 70s style, you know, rock bands. Yeah, the road. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it the Almond Brothers that he actually went on tour with? I can't remember if it was like Almond or Leonard Skinner, but he did go on tour. And and I've seen, I've actually seen yeah. the articles where I've seen the actual pages from the magazine of like an, a Led Zeppelin article he did and right. a couple others when he was quite young. Um, but like, you know, there's a scene where when uh, the Frances McDormand drops her son off at the concert uh, at, and she says, do you remember what she tells him? <laughs> She says, don't take yeah, drugs. Don't take drugs. It embarrasses him. Of course, everybody, all the other kids around here, and then they Yells start saying the it. Lot. But, you know, she's a good mom, <laughs> willing to embarrass herself to protect her son. And there's another scene where there's a phone conversation uh, where she oh, wants to talk yeah. to her son. And um, I can't remember who answers the phone, but Russell Hand. Is it Russell Hand asking if it's somebody with the pot? She's like, no, this is oh. not. Oh no no okay so that's a, it's a different phone conversation is that a, because so so the one you're thinking of is when one of the one of the band aids slash groupies mm-hmm. picks up and says is this is this oh that's right yeah and and she says no this is this right is, this is but then she she tells her I think she tells the mother like hey you know your son's a really good kid like kind of kind of makes yeah, her feel like right, okay yeah right. William's a good kid like. <laughs> He's doing a good job here and he's not, you know, maybe he's not involved in all the other stuff everyone else is. And so I think that probably makes her at least feel a tinge of pride, but also some apprehension, <laughs> um, you know. And so, yeah. but yeah, and then I do remember she talks with Russell and uh, kind of gives right. him a little bit of uh, a talking uh, to. Was it Russell? Billy Crudup. Yeah, yeah. yeah Billy Billy, Crudup. So Billy Crudup plays the Russell Hammond, the, the lead guitarist yeah. for the band. And he's, he's pretty much like the the mysterious leader, the guy, he's, he's the one that William's character or that William Miller is trying to get the interview with through the whole movie. Right. And, and, and he's, and, you know, kind of this and he, detached vain rock star. Right. And, and, and they befriend, he, you know, he kind of befriends William, but also at the same time, he, he calls him the enemy and, and makes sure all the band members know, yeah. like, this is the enemy yeah. because, you know, he's going to print all the good, he's going to print all the bad as well as all the good. And then, you know, kind of what happens with the, the plot at the end, but, um, uh-huh. yeah, I thought she was a good mom and, and she's not in the movie as much as some of these others I've mentioned. Um, you know, there's, right. there's long swaths of the movie where she's not even in it, but I think her, her influence is sort of in the movie because, you know, R- William Miller does get around a lot of stuff that you definitely wouldn't want anyone, even an adult, but especially your teenage <laughs> son to be around, but he doesn't really partake of it. He's still just trying to get the uh-huh. story. Now he's kind of uh, enamored of the rock star lifestyle, and it, you can see that it's just, he's almost got stars in his eyes. But he's he's not interested in drugs or sex or anything like that. You know, he um, has he has uh, he really wants to be a rock journalist, and uh, it's such a cool kind of just funny feel good type of movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think I think that's one of the dynamics that makes the movie so fun is that. The, the William Miller character and, you know, another Utah.film reference. Right, because he's from Patrick Salt Lake. Fugit is from, from Salt mm-hmm. Lake. Um, the, the dynamic with William is that he really is kind of an oddball in 
in the context of his peers because he's this more serious kind of wise beyond his years, more kind of focused on, you know, really, really driven mm-hmm. and he loves rock and roll and he's kind of enamored with what's around him, but he's also not just jumping head first into it. Yeah. Like it's, it's still, you know, and, and whether, whether it's like you describe, whether it's the influence of his mom or whether it's just because he's, he's just kind of, yeah. you know, he's, has his own goals and his right. own ambitions. It, and you know, you can kind of see that 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 innocence and youth kind of fighting against, you know, his his more noble yeah. aspirations and it's just a, it's great. Such a great It's movie. so great too because in some there's some scenes where it almost seems like he's the only adult in the room. You know, he's such a thoughtful oh, worker and he he's so uh, diligent. He's doing his best uh, to get this interview and get the story and he'll go to great lengths and you kind of get mad after a while how some of the band-aids and especially some of the band members treat him, especially because he's a kid, but he's also like working, you know? Um, So uh, I I also, I mean the real, the real showstopper conversation, I would say among many, I mean, gosh, there's so many great interactions, but, but the one that really jumps out that illustrates that point that you just made is kind of later in the movie when, uh, so, um, and now, of course, I'm trying to remember Goldie Hawn's daughter's oh, name. Oh, Kate Hudson, uh, Penny Lane. Kate Hudson, Penny Lane, yeah. yeah. So, so this was Kate Hudson's kind of coming out party. Yeah. Um, and she she plays the leader of the Band-Aids, Penny Lane, who's just like a year older. She's like 16, mm-hmm. but she's been following around, you know, rock stars for a couple of years as a kind of a infamous celebrated groupie. And, and, uh, and so she kind of thinks that she's wise and, and, and learned and, and all this kind of thing and kind of knows the ropes, but she's really kind of deluding herself, mm-hmm. right? Because we can, we can see that she's being used it's just not, like everybody yeah, else. Yeah, it's not going to end well for yeah. her. Yeah. Right. And, and I remember there's this, this great exchange towards the end of the movie when she's trying to talk down to, to William and she's saying, Oh, you're too sweet for rock and roll. And, you just don't understand that, da, 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 you know, and, and William just kind of unloads on her. And he's like, he is just not having mm-hmm. it because he's, he's seen through this mirage yeah. and just, you know, which, which actually in, in retrospect is much, much more kind than, than what else happens to her in the movie mm-hmm. ultimately. But uh, yeah. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you picked that one because I had, I had forgotten about, Francis McDormand and that is a great that's a great mom yeah that's a great mom very done very well done thank you she she um, plays another I don't know if it's a great mom but very concerned bereaved mom in three billboards I mean that's not one of oh, my yeah. picks but yeah. that's that's she's sort of the center of that movie too um yeah so yeah, yeah. from uh same guy who did Banshees in Sharon yeah. Banshees of Insharon um okay uh, so this, this is our third official pick, yeah. right? Um, okay. So this is the one that I would say inspired the idea of doing this episode. Um, this, this was, this is the role that kind of made me think, oh, we should, we should do some kind of an episode where we kind of highlight the moms and, and stuff. Um, so of course, Secret Life of Walter Mitty is one of my mm. favorite movies. One of my one of my three 
This one. And and the secret. Yep, that's right. That's right. The uh, the picture hanging behind you right now. Um, the secret MVP of Walter Mitty, as I like to think of it, is Shirley MacLaine, who plays Walter Mitty's mother, Edna. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for her, all would be lost. Like the story, mm-hmm. the story would not come together. Now, um, I'm going to I'm going to talk around this a little bit because. For anybody who has not seen this, you have to see this movie. I really, really love this movie, and I want everybody to see it who has not. Um, but just to kind of give you a sense of what I'm referring to here, the the premise is that uh, Walter Mitty is kind of this daydreamer, doesn't really, he just kind of escapes to his fantasy world because he's bored and kind of doesn't really have much going on in real life. Ben Stiller plays the character, and he works as uh, he works for uh, Life Magazine and uh, kind of manages their uh, uh, film stock and their uh, negatives. Um, And so the premise of the movie is that he has to hunt down a uh, film negative uh, that uh, is going to be used for the final issue of Life magazine. And in order to do so, he has to get out of his shell, and he winds up traveling the world and having these great adventures and all this kind of stuff. and at this point, I probably have to say skip ahead if you don't want any spoilers on this one, mm. because in order in order to explain the Shirley MacLaine role, you pretty much have to get a little deeper into it. So uh, if you've not seen Walter Mitty yet, then please skip ahead a few minutes because you need to see this. Um, okay, so for those of you who are still here, uh, so Shirley, McC- Shirley MacLaine plays Walter's mom. And she's kind of in the process of moving from her old apartment to kind of a more uh, accessible uh, condo type of situation. And Walter, when he is at a certain point in the movie, he's really discouraged about uh, not being able to find this, uh, this negative that, uh, you know, is the key to this final issue. And in he in disgust, he has a he has a wallet that was gifted to him by the photographer who took the image, and in disgust, Walter throws the wallet away, and uh, I don't know. I'm so, I'm 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 explaining this like people haven't seen it <laughs> yet. So, but if you but if you're but if you're okay with the spoilers, I guess I guess we're all on the same page, right? So. Um, I came. Basically, I mean, I came very close to spoiling a couple of mine, but I tried not to, especially like the very ending of Lady Bird. But I, yeah, right, I mean, right, yeah. Well, because I mean, because you know what I'm talking right, about, right? right yeah. Like, like basically, the way it turns out is that you know Edna saves the wallet and thus saves the photo, mm-hmm. and. The reason she does it is because she's just being a mom, mm-hmm. right? Because once once Walter figures out what's happened, he thinks that all is lost. And then his mom shows up with the wallet. And she's like, why did you, how'd you get this? I threw this away. It's like, oh, I keep all your old stuff. Which is just such a mom thing yeah. to do, right? Yeah. You know, it's just her mom's always looking out for her son, you know, paying attention to things he's not paying attention to. And, and really like her being 
such a good, thoughtful mom mm-hmm. is what saves that story and and what what enables the happy ending. And I just I just love it as this great low key, you know, very, very under the radar because it's you know, it's just a very small role. This is she doesn't have a whole lot of screen time. Yeah. But she's really her character is the key to, you know, I had yeah, I guess I had key to key to victory in that one. And and it's because she's being a cool mom, Mm -hmm. you know, just a thoughtful you know, it just it just strikes me as a very mom thing to do. Yeah. So, I don't know that that it's probably the worst description possible. <laughs> well, I for, like that for my choice. But uh, there you go. I like that. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So should we get should we should we throw a few honorable mentions out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have. Okay. So. Well. So Norman Bates's mother in Psycho. <laughs> I don't even want to spoil it. I mean, if you haven't seen it, go see it. But I mean, it's pretty much one of the most important movies of all time. And the the mother of the slasher genre, <laughs> I think it gave birth to the an entire genre of films, uh, you know, a subgenre of horror films right. that we have right. today. And it's one of my favorite movies. I, I, I have it now because I have the uh, a Hitchcock collection that has quite a few in there. But, but I, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, another, another one would be, well, cut two others would be Rosie is played by Scarlett Johansson and Jojo rabbit. Um, oh yeah. I really like her character. And, and again, she's a secondary, she's a supporting character, but yeah. she says some oh, things to Jojo that are quite important. And she kind of has a, well, I don't want to say duplicitous cause that sounds bad, but she's, she's, um, she is not quite exactly who Jojo thinks that she is in some ways. Right, and and right. it's very important to the plot. And I, I just love her. And, and also it's, you know, there's certain things that happen that are, that are quite tragic, but um, I, uh, but I'm, I won't go into a lot of detail on that. I just, I think she's, she would be an honorable mention. And then I guess my last honorable mention would be Mrs. Gump. So Sally Field. Yeah, um, yep, I thought about her too. Forrest Gump. Yeah. I mean, uh, so much of what Forrest talks about in that movie is things that his mama said. And and the first especially uh, the first half hour or 20 minutes of that movie is really a lot of her, a lot of Sally Field and the things that she does to uh kind of support and raise Forrest without a dad there and um and all the way up to the end of the movie and to her death and uh you know, probably one of the hardest scenes to watch in the movie really is uh, involving her, her later scenes in the movie. Um, so yeah, I, those are kind of mine. I mean, I didn't come up with a giant list, but I think I came up yeah. with about six yeah. movies. No, those are some good ones. So, so my, well, so before I get to my honorable mentions, I will mention now, <laughs> excuse me, the, the one I was referring to before, um, which you did not pick, which was the Joan Crawford character in Mommy Dearest. Oh, I haven't seen that. Like that, yeah, neither have I. I've just seen clips of it, and it's one of those things that I just keep hearing referred to so many times Mm -hmm. that it's just a very, like, this is explicitly a movie about a mother, right? Mm -hmm. And this, this, you know, role. But it's also, like, a really terrible mother and a really, you know, kind of nightmarish situation. And so... So that was kind of weird that that's one of the first movie moms that, that springs to mind in a lot of, you know, kind of culturally. Hmm. Um, but again, I, I haven't seen it. And so I, I couldn't nominate it one way or the other. Um, 
the ones that I would want to put down for my honorable mentions, though, um, first we'll go with Linda Hamilton playing Sarah Connor in the Terminator movies. Oh, okay. She, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty, pretty dramatic role of, you know, mom who's got to be a good mom in order to save the future of humanity. Right. Yeah. In some ways she's the most important of all the moms we've mentioned in all these movies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much. John Connor. Right. Yeah. Um, more on a more sincere sense, uh, D. Wallace does such a great job in E.T. as Elliot's mom. You know, she's the. I guess they're separated, right? So they're not divorced. They're just the, mm-hmm. the dad has moved out and he's off in Mexico with, you know, with his his new thing, and and she's left behind to raise the kids. And you know, I think I I get the sense that that is one of those characters that, the older you get, the the easier it is to kind of relate to her relate to the movie through her eyes yeah, rather than know? one of the children's eyes yeah because it's a it's it's such a it it is a movie that is designed so specifically to be seen through the eyes of the children mm-hmm. that i think it would be easy to you know take take the mom's role for granted when certainly when you're a kid but then you know as an adult i think I think her value and her position becomes that much more endearing and, and, and meaningful. So, uh, yeah. So yeah. So see D, D Wallace for ET. Um, uh, I thought about, uh, you know, one of the ones that kind of jumped out to me was, uh, Randy Heller plays the mom in karate kid. Hmm. You know, she plays, uh, Daniel sons and she's, cause she's kind of the, the fast talking kind of fun single mom from New Jersey. And I remember the scene where, she she takes because she has to take Daniel out on his first date with Allie, and so they have to go over to like the 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 wealthy neighborhood to pick her up, and the car won't start when they all get in, mm-hmm. and so so as Daniel is leaving on his first date with his his dream girl, and her parents are still at the doorway, he and his mom are like jump starting the car yeah. out in the driveway, <laughs> so. Just yeah, just a good one. But uh, now, I, and this this last one's kind of a curveball, but I have to put it out there. Um, Michael Keaton as Mister. Oh yeah, in, uh, in that early '80s uh, comedy, so funny. You know where he he gets laid off from his job with uh, he's he's some kind of a automaker, mm-hmm. and uh, he loses his job and goes on unemployment and. His wife is uh, Terry Gar, and so she gets she gets a job with an advertising company, and he starts, you know, he he spends some time as a stay at home, stay at home dad, Mister Mom. Yeah, and, you know, we 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 see his adventures as he's trying to take care of the kids and going off to the grocery store, and he can he's he's always like driving in the wrong direction. You're, he drops you're doing it wrong. I remember that they come up to him. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's just like yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I yeah I forgot about no, that movie. Um, I've always I've always had a soft spot for that one. I think it, I think John Hughes wrote it. He didn't direct okay. it, but uh, that that was one of his early early efforts. But uh, so I, I thought about the ET mom, and and the, um, I saw a meme the other day. Maybe it sort of dissuaded me that said like, if you think that you're struggling, remember that the mom in ET had an alien living in her house for a week and didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yep. yeah, I mean, she had a hard job, right? She's doing it alone. She's got those boys there. And 
Um, she's yeah. got to work. And so, yeah, I, there's reasons why she didn't notice E.T., but there are some pretty funny, <laughs> the blocking in that, those scenes where oh, she's yeah. not, um, yeah. she's barely missing him. And, and even when Drew yeah. Barrymore is like talking about E.T. and the mother thinks that she's talking about Henry. He can talk. Like, of course he can talk. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> that is a good one. That is a good one. Well, I think we got some nice choices there. Mm-hmm. Very good, and uh, and no no overlaps on official ones, if I, as far as I remember. Right. Yeah. My my so. three officials were were Lady Bird, A Christmas Story, and Almost Famous, and all from kind yeah. of different times. I mean, uh, 1983, mm-hmm. and then Almost Famous would have been about 2000 or 2001. Um, Look at you and me and me me still stuck in the 80s. Are yours all in the 80s? Just, well, <laughs> not all because the. Walter Mitty was 2013. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Back Back to the Future was 85. Oh, set. Throw Mama from the Train was 87. Late. I want to say like 87, 88, something like that. Yeah. And then I yeah. guess Melinda Dillon was, it was 77, the other Melinda Dillon performance for uh, Close Encounters. For Close yeah. Encounters, yeah. But uh, yeah, E.T. is 82. Mr. Mom was somewhere around 82. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, that's yeah. one of the themes of this. Oh, well. That's one of the themes of this podcast. I mean, you, we are yeah. who we are, right? Like, we we always end up. I don't know if we've ever gone a podcast <laughs> without talking about an '80s movie. I don't know if it's even possible. You know, it might not be. Uh, it might not be. So, uh, so, so, thank you for your patience with us, if that is the case. But uh, yeah, all right, Mark. Any final thoughts? Hmm. We're, we're we're heading into Mother's Day. We got some. We're still going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy soon. I know we've got uh, we've got the the tenth movie in the Fast and Furious franchise mm. is on its way, so we'll be covering that soon. But any final thoughts for the people? No, I just say uh, Happy Mother's Day. I do want to kind of give a shout out to my mom, who uh, I just I asked her what her favorite movies were. I, th- I thought I knew a few of them because one of the very first ones that came to mind was Napoleon Dynamite, and she did indeed text me napoleon dynamite i know how much she loves that movie but she also said a christmas story top gun maverick it's a wonderful life and forrest gump which is amazing since we really talked about two of those movies today um yeah and i didn't know she liked top gun maverick that much that's a very new that came out last year but uh i feel like (laughs) pretty much everybody liked that movie so it was a very likable very nice good movie nice no, and I, I have to do the same. I uh, I would not have the background and appreciation for movies that I do if it wasn't for the influence of my mom. Mm-hmm. So, happy Mother's Day. Yes. And uh, happy Mother's Day to anybody else out there. Uh, just uh, hope you're all having a good weekend and a good May and a good spring. And we'll talk to you next time.